I always imagine our listeners will, when they hear the music, are anticipating what ridiculous and stupid thing will I say. Well, I hate to disappoint you all, but I'm just going to say welcome to Swing Thoughts. That works. Trying to be professional. <laughs> I know you're thinking, why start now? I like the Steve Martin line. I'm just a semi-professional. That's right. Uh, it's GSL and Coach Tim for the final regular season episode of the 2023 Swing Thoughts season. For you noobs, what happens after this is that uh, Tim and I, we still record shows. We just don't do it every week. Uh, actually, we've got a great uh, show coming up in a couple weeks, actually, uh, it came out of a conversation we had the other day talking to Carl and Gary Nickel about uh, this guest that uh, we both tried and both admired and tried to get on. Who, so, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name now. Susie Myers. <laughs> That's funny. Because literally halfway through any of those sentences, I still couldn't have told you who she was. And even and I was the one that said, hey, Tim, we should get Susie on. She's great. I thought for, I thought for a second you were gapping on what year it was. No, no, no. I'm just being an idiot. Uh, no, that's great. Susie Myers, if you... Uh, she, uh, we've, I'm sure we taught... I'm sure in the eight years we've done the show, we've talked about reading her book, Golf from Point A. I read it, you read it, we all read it. And then I heard her on Carl's uh, Brain Booster podcast... And I thought she was great, and she'd be a great guest with us. And lo and behold, the Tim man has tracked her down. It's my job. Mm. I just, I just do what I need to do. Hey, for, and, and it's great. It's going to be. Uh, we'll record that. You'll hear it a couple weeks from today, and we're going to record it in a couple weeks. So, uh, this program has been uh, sponsored for quite some time by TaylorMade Golf. And TaylorMade Golf, of course, the uh, people that bring you the uh, stealth uh, family of equipment. Hang on a second here. Hang on. And for the last time, let's, uh, let's play this. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things. Distance and forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the all-new Stealth 2 with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. Wait, did you say forgiveness like far or forgiveness like... Forgiveness. 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 I'm hearing far. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Exactly. Rory gets it. The all-new TaylorMade Stealth 2. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Yeah, it's been great, and our relationship with them is always uh, just a bonus, and we feel grateful. Uh, I'm actually wearing a TaylorMade shirt today. You don't know that because we're not putting this on the YouTubes, but uh, yeah, it's just been great, and... Nick and everybody there is always so kind to us. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed we'll be continuing with them again. But, you know, I always like to just say this. If it ended right now, man, they, they've done so well by us. It's just been such a great relationship. And uh, it makes us feel, I think initially, somehow legitimate that TaylorMade would sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's good old cred, you know. But it's it always leads not always, but it often leads to just really interesting conversations. You know, I, I know the um, the back shop guys at Blue Springs. Every once in a while, someone will go, oh, my God, you've got, like, the P790s? Or you got the still too? Really? Mm. You love it? I, lo- I love having those conversations with, with whether it's a, a kid or, or a golfer. But I tell you, most of the guys at uh, Blue Springs are playing the Stealth too. Yeah, it's got a... You know, I wasn't sure how it was going to do, but I, I can see that in a lot of my uh, 
rounds of golf are with people that either have the original or this year's version. Yeah, and, yeah, I think you're, yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of guys that have helped us up, some really good players and good guys, Matt and uh, Dave at uh, Oscar Bravo. Yeah, yeah, we've been um, really fortunate to have uh, them as our apparel sponsor this year. And uh, indeed, I uh, I wear my Oscar Bravo every Saturday morning and Thursday, midnight at Blue Springs. And I invariably get uh, kind of a sharp-dressed man comment. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're a great shirt. So check them out at Oscar. Who is OscarBravo.com? Uh, and by the way, there are eight polos, but there's also a T-shirt that I've been too afraid to wear. Because it's white. <laughs> it's white. <laughs> and uh, I just, it's like, I, here's what I do. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you or, or our STDs, but that swings thought devotees, by the way. When I go, like I'm going to a golf course today, as I do often, and today's a big tournament. I'll talk about it later. But I, off, I always wear another shirt. In the car, because I just don't trust myself to get to the golf course without pre-staining the shirt. So I've been too afraid to wear the t-shirts. I don't want to get it all messy. I know, I know. <laughs> Whenever I have white anything, it's like, oh my god, there's some mustard. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite lines from my ex-girlfriend Rachel. She was talking to me about how fast I eat because I do eat pretty quickly, and uh, she's like, you, she's, "Why don't you slow down?" I said, I don't eat that fast. She goes, yes, you do. I go, how can you tell? She says, you have food on your back. <laughs> <laughs> she was right, too. I heard I don't people know. getting food in their like eyebrows, <laughs> on their glasses, put on their back. Yeah, oh like, I guess I've just been shoveling it in so quickly. Yeah, I got this image of like, you, yeah. you're kind of like a Tasmanian <laughs> devil. Exactly. <laughs> there was like some avocado and feta just on the back of my shoulder. <laughs> Anyway, thanks to those guys. Who is OscarBravo.com? And uh, this year, we uh, were lucky enough to have some guys uh, to help our golfers stretch. Introducing uh, Stretch Lab. In fact, in Toronto, they're now opening uh, other, other locations. I got an email on the Humble and Fred show from somebody in Calgary who heard us talking about Stretch Lab and the benefits, especially for golfers, and went in to the Stretch Lab location in Calgary, and now has signed up. And you should at least take the uh, take a test drive. It's $59 for 50 minutes of stretching, including an assessment at stress lab, stretchlab.com. Full disclosure, Tim's tired. Uh, I had a great sleep. And um, this is uh, we're recording this on Friday, September 1st. Yeah. Oof. And uh, you said something I had actually written down how uh, you said something about how oh, here, is it September 1st? And then we were sort of commiserating with how quickly the the season has gone by. Mm-hmm. It, it's all oh. going it's all going by pretty quickly. <laughs> Life in general. Exactly. <laughs> the older you get. Whoa. Yeah, man. Really? I'm this age now. Holy crap. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's still a lot of fine golf left. A lot of people forget that September is still summer. Goes to what is it, the 20th or 22nd? I can't remember till officially clicks over. But I know from coaching, when I used to coach the University of Guelph golf team, man, we had some spectacular September days. So there's a lot of great golf left. That's for darn sure. And, and, and a lot of great life left. If you're in the September, are we in the September oh. of our lives? 
Wow, I hear an earth, wind, and fire song in my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I, I mean, we're certainly, I'm 63. Yes. I'm 63. You're 79 or whatever you are. Um, how old are you, 65? Uh, one more year, 66. Really? So would we, would we be on the, the back nine? We're of definitely life? on the back. By the way, you look great. Whatever age you are, you look fantastic. Look at you. You're in shape. You're playing a punk band. You're, you're, people have a warm feeling about you. <laughs> and, we, and I go to seniors dances. That's right. Do you but to your that point, guy was amazing. Who was it? I think his last name was White, was the lead, lead guy in that band. Oh, amazing musician. To your oh. point about uh, the temperatures and some, the fact that it's still summer, I took Stan out for a walk last night. Stan's my dog. And I actually said to Stan, this is the perfect temperature. I don't know it what it was. Old. Like it, last night, it was 23-ish degrees, no humidity, yeah. and just a, a bit of a cool breeze. Like, a, honestly, a, th- these are some of the best. I think we've said this on the show. These are some of the best golf days coming up in the next three or four weeks. Because October kind of can click into. There's great, there's great golf in the GTA in October, but this yeah. next couple yeah. of weeks is really sweet. Uh, because because you started it. it, you could extend that metaphor to the September of our lives. That was really? my metaphor. Sorry, I guess I just, like I said, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Go back and listen to what I said. It's are, I said. Are we? In, are well, we I in thought a- you're talking about you know, golf in September and, <laughs> and saying, but we but isn't life great too? I said that, we're, that. In we're in the September of our lives, and I clicked over to are we on the back nine? And so it's okay. Remember, I said Tim's tired. I'll catch up. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> um, and uh, it's funny because I had a lot of golf. And part of the reason we're doing the show today, there's no guests. It's just Tim and I looking back on the season. A lot, And I've got a great couple of stories. i got a great story from just this past week you're going to love. But I was thinking about uh, the season that's gone by in May, June, especially around here for me. I had a ton of golf tournaments. I would have had more in July, but it didn't qualify. I had a few tournaments in July. All I had in August was the club championship, the kids, the, the, the young ones. So that's a three-day tournament. Yeah, men's night and all that other crap. But um, August has been pretty light. But I, I added it up. Starting today, if I qualify for two of the events I'm up for uh, coming up, I will, I'll play nine tournament rounds in the next three weeks, which I'm excited about because it's been a while. Not that score doesn't matter most days, but it doesn't really matter like it does when you're having to hand the card in. And yep. So I'm very excited about that. And that's another reason I love September golf because there's so many events that that's great that are sort of weighted late in the season here for the uh, GAO. So, um, before I tell you this great story, what about you? What's your what? What would you say? I know you're tired. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thank you. And and by the way, we're in the September of best. our lives. Okay, I'll do my best. Thank um, you. <laughs> really? What would you say for you, either as a, a golfer, a coach, or something that we have learned here on the show? Uh, take your time. Any and all of those are in play. Uh, looking back on Swing Thoughts 2023. Oh boy! There's wow! There's always a lot to choose from. Um, the interview that we did with um, Raymond Pryor was really, really good. I listened to that a couple of times. That guy has a really interesting take on our relationship with the game, 
and uh you know that that was a real highlight um i just i don't know what comes to mind too is is just the the fun we have with a lot of our guests like last week uh with carl and and gary nickel i mean really that's just so much fun i think it's kind of like what i like about golf is that you, you you're having fun you're doing this thing that you care about but also you can be really silly and just have a, a good time mm-hmm. and um so yeah that, that's um nothing else jumps jumps to mind i remember like early like in the winter i remember kendall mcwade uh, the gentle scott um who plays distinctive golf? That was that was really fun too. What about Tim O'Connor, the golfer? How did what did you say? Uh, what would you say about your golf season as a player this year? Um, it's been a really interesting one. I had an interesting conversation with Del- Dave Bellatrudy last night, and uh, both he and I are, you know, in terms of scoring and all that, our games just haven't been as sharp as they were last year. And what we both kind of rationalize is that you got to play a lot to score really well and have a sharp game and so last year i played three times a week most of the time i didn't really this summer and i didn't i hardly didn't really have much time to practice um so that was kind of so didn't score as well but what i learned about my game is that i kind of have not kind of i have to work within a structure and, and 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 a commitment rather than kind of starting on the first tee with one sort of intention mm-hmm. uh, be present something or whatever and then you know by the sixth hole you know, <laughs> you know morph into something else by the sixth hole you're tomahawking your seven iron into a forest yeah and then you know by the 14th it's like oh my god you know g- give me a Stella please <laughs> Um, you use that word commitment. It's interesting because interesting. It's curious. Uh, I'm going to get to my top line in a second, but I was listening. I was I went up to the Grandview to do some stuff for Clublink this weekend. Uh, had a couple hour drive, and I caught up on a couple of podcasts from Kathy Hartwood, who was our guest last year, oh, yeah. and someone I worked with. And my buddy Grant refers to as my girlfriend. I like Kathy, but one of the things she said in uh. terms in terms of scoring. She said, are you a golfer that's interested in getting better or committed to getting better? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, I think I've talked to a lot of my peer group, you included that and myself, that this wasn't the, the greatest year in terms of my scoring either or, you know, my handicap going down. In fact, it went up. But and as she said, you know, if you're just interested in getting better, that's fine. But just acknowledge that. Like, of course, and, and that's all of us. We all want to have a, a good game when we go play. But how committed are you to getting better? And I would say, <clears throat> you know, for me, other than a few results I had that were pretty good, I don't know that I was as committed this year as I have been. Yeah, Certainly to my... Really? I mean, overall, probably I hit or worked on my game a similar amount but I don't think I really worked on it, as Ray would say, to to gain competence as much. I have been lately, as the tournaments are coming back. Uh, I spent the last three or four weeks probably recommitting. But overall, this summer, I don't think that I was maybe not as committed, which I like that. Interested versus committed, which is, again, most golfers. You'd say that we're all interested in shooting a better score today. 
Mm-hmm. And that's so, why I always yeah. laugh when uh, when the club championships coming up. You can always tell the guys who it's their first tournament of the year because they're at the chipping area for the first time ever, you know, since last club championship. <laughs> yeah. Really? really? Look at this place. It's so cool. Um, yeah, I relate completely. One of the things that, as I say, Dave Bellatrudy and I were talking about was like, is Dave Bellatrudy somebody we should know or somebody you know? Yeah, he's 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 your buddy. He, yeah, he's my buddy. Oh no, because you, you said his the, name the first. You said his name the first time. Yeah. Like, oh, you mean the famous Dave Bellatrudy from Golf Insider? Well, actually, <laughs> Dave was the director of operations at Blue Springs for okay. like so an interesting guy. He, All right. you know, he's PGA of Canada guy, and now he's. Uh, He's just a guy who comes and plays men's nights and Saturday mornings. So you're talking to Dave. So I'm talking to Dave. And one of the things that we noted that last year I had it in my calendar that I think was every Wednesday morning that I would go to Guelph Lakes and I work on my short game. Mm -hmm. I I would just take my putter and a wedge and I would putt and I would chip and I'd do par 18. Didn't do that this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have that same commitment to use that really great word um, to to getting better. And and so so one of the things was um, after my club C and had my little I had my little tantrum meltdown. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, the, the Saturday round, I just took some time to think about the game, and I, I reconnected with uh, Fred Shoemaker. So we've we've been fortunate enough to both have coaching from Fred. So I had a great coaching session with Fred and helped me kind of get realigned and see. And one of the things he said to me that I think is so cool. And it's such a Fred ism. That's why I love the, you know, the, the, the wisdom of Fred Shoemaker. He said, the only freedom I've enjoyed in golf was within a structure. And the only freedom I've enjoyed in life is with commitment. I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's big. And I I just see why this year, from a scoring perspective, was not as sharp as last year because it just wasn't as solid a commitment. Okay, so my top line, but then that's brilliant. My top line for uh, my takeaway, and it wasn't even so much my favorite interview. I mean, obviously, Ray, uh, I got to work with Ray. Ray was... Uh, it's funny that if you go back and listen, I bought Ray's book before we booked him. Yeah. I started reading I know you, about you, it. You, you kind of defy the code. <laughs> no, I know. I'm supposed to wait together for <laughs> free. media people. But I wanted to get into it and, um, you know, worked with him, still working with him a little bit. What I would say that I, my biggest takeaway from the summer, scoring aside, because I could tell you my stats, and other than winning the club championship, which I have not done the last couple of years. My last couple of years in other events is pretty good. You know, I've had a first, you know, I've had a third, I've had a couple of firsts in the team, and like pretty good, like, you know, lots of decent results. If I was a tour player, it would be a decent year without a win so far, anyway. But what I, what I think, and I wrote this down this morning, my biggest takeaway from this year, and, I, and it took me a while to get into, is... I have now learned to be happy yeah. without shooting my lowest scores because I have not shot my lowest scores this summer. Last year, I shot 67. I shot 69 a couple of times. I was under par a bunch of times. And other than a few nines, I've not been under par. 
But I can tell you, I was uh, recently out on the East Coast with my buddy Grant McDougall, and I got to play. I got to play this beautiful course uh, in St. Andrews, just outside. It's about an hour and a half outside of uh, where he lives. And I got to see Charles play. Fitzsimmons was playing the mid-am there. Got to walk around. Nice. And, and I, you know, I had a round. I shot 78. I loved it. I had a great day. It's beautiful. It's like the most beautiful vistas, you know. But I didn't, it wasn't my best score. But I had a great time. And that is probably, and that came a lot from working with Ray. That is probably my biggest bonus and I think I, I, I've come to the conclusion that's actually better than lowering your handicap. Love it. Because I wish my handicap was lower. Part of the reason it's not is our golf course rating that I play at got lowered. So everyone at my club, his handicap went up 1.2 or so because mm. of the rating, of course, being that's, re-rated. That's significant. Yeah, th- exactly. So I'm hovering around a 2 two point something whereas a year ago i was hovering around a zero point something right so big diff but the other thing that again i I learned a lot from ray but that was probably my biggest takeaway that i can be happy even on days i don't have my best golf and i have that's probably the best thing about this year for me is i've had multiple rounds now for months where tournament rounds hanging with my brother playing with you in a tournament where I had a, we laughed our heads off, and even even if the score wasn't great, love that. Yeah, I, I I think that that's so good. And I've had similar experiences with some clients this year. I had um, uh, this fellow who I worked with for a year and a half. He had the chip yips. Well, he still has the chip yips, but he's making some progress but the key thing is that now when he goes and plays it, it, that is of secondary importance to having a great time with his buddies right and all of that and uh, just to quickly another fellow who i was working with this year he realized that he spent he was like actually kind of too committed to golf and he stepped back from it and now he actually enjoys golf more he feels kind of more in aligned with spending time with his family and, and things like that. And um, so it's interesting how, you know, we can find more joy, e- equanimity with golf without our scores necessarily going down. Because I just think the game offers far more than that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, 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 I want to mention that, you know, you play in a, a game on Saturday mornings uh, at Blue Springs called, uh, is it Grinder still? No, no, no. We did. did we you ditch like that, that name? name we, we did. <laughs> Is they? <laughs> I started to squirm. Yeah, guys are like, "What grinder? What?" Really? Uh, and I play one on Saturday mornings called Hustlers. And when I was on the East Coast, uh, where my buddy Grant lives in a, he's just outside of St. John in a little town called Quispamsis. <laughs> oh my god that sounds like that sounds like in wales exactly or, or and, and everyone has a you he lives in Pisquad. what anyway <laughs> but uh i got to play in his friday afternoon game at his golf course riverside uh, donald nice. ross dude donald ross is not screwing around that golf course and it's beautiful because you're looking out over this beautiful river the, the vistas out there honestly i just came back from the muskoka's and it's like Muskoka's with an ocean. So I was in yes. his... So these dudes, the guy got to play in their Friday, which apparently is not... It's a very great honor to play in the... They call it the FA Cup, the Friday afternoon cup, I guess, or that's their year-long competition. 
And uh, you have to wear knee socks and a jacket. No, dinner? no, it's a very informal. It's these are East Coast guys. <laughs> but I got to play with uh, this guy uh, Darcy and this other dude Rick. And Darcy, Darcy Murphy Darcy. is his name. He owns a bunch of Tim Hortons, so he's done okay. This guy's a very nice man, very accomplished uh, business person, and a very serious player. But he had listened. He'd heard I was doing this, and he oh, went yeah. back and listened to Swing Thoughts. Heard I was uh, playing in that Friday afternoon game. So this guy's now a big Swing Thoughts guy. And afterwards, all I wanted to ask him about was, "What's it like owning all the Tim Hortons?" And he all all he wanted to talk about was this silly podcast we do. Yeah. And, and that's another great idea. See, the thing is, and I didn't, like, I played okay that day. I shot, uh, like, I think I shot 78 again or some stupid score. But that day, I hit it great. Like, I've been having a very Scotty Scheffler summer. Let me explain. I'm hitting it as good as I can hit it. Honestly, every round I hit 12, 11, sometimes 13 greens, and I just can't stop putting. But I've been playing on a lot of different golf courses, and their course is bananas. In fact, I'm... I, I had like about a 20-foot putt. This Donald Ross course. Here's how bad it was. I thought it was downhill. It was uphill. And, and I was about 20 feet, and I hit it about six feet. <laughs> and, uh, it was such a bad putt. You know, you know it's a bad putt when your buddy make, can't, it makes an involuntary noise. Like, I, I made the putt, and he goes, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I know. It's like sort of if he's a food got caught. That's <laughs> right. You know, he, and then another time, he's like, oi. I'm like, okay. He's like, oh. So, um... My point being that I've enjoyed those rounds, even though the score wasn't what I wanted to wanted it to be. And if I had been so focused on the score and gotten all scowly and mm-hmm. only been pretending to have fun, because you can tell the difference when you're playing with somebody, oh, then I wouldn't have had such. It wouldn't have been as great an experience because, like, a no, an earlier version of me would have wanted those guys in the uh, Friday afternoon game to know that that's not my normal game. I'm way better than this score. And I just figure now, like, that doesn't matter as much as, you know, I want their experience of me and my experience of the situation to be good for me and hopefully good for them, but mostly good for me internally, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I can relate to that in terms of, so this year, I sort of more, yeah, even though I've been a senior golfer for a while, I I really identified with being a senior golfer this year because I was the captain of our senior Ryder Cup team at Blue Springs. It was the first time we had it, so it took a, a leap at doing it. And it was just so much fun. Now, you've been doing it for a number of years, but I just love meeting, you know, these guys. They're They're avid golfers, and everyone gets it. That, yeah, you're competing. You want to beat the other team, but it's about having, you know, meeting some people, playing great golf courses. I got to play Maple Downs, uh, Brantford uh, this year. Uh, we had Oakville in um, in our division. But just playing with those guys, having a beer afterwards, chatting, so much fun. I, I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. And I, I played in more senior stuff at, at our own club uh, this year. But um, I just and I had a game this year where I played. It was just like one of those ideal rounds. I was playing with um, this woman at our club, Trish Walker. Great, great lady. Talk about a golf nerd. She's just wonderful. And um, so we did. It was just the two of us. And I just love those rounds where you 
you have no one pushing you. There's no one holding you up. And you can stand on a tee and tell stories and chat and tell a joke and whatnot. And it was just so much fun. And when I was done, I said, Trish, that was one of the most fun rounds this year. And she says, oh, I bet you say that to all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but no, it's just the point that I love competition. I love playing in a tournament where there's this kind of permission to take a little bit, maybe more time, an extra look at a putt or something. Uh, I like, if you will, grinding <laughs> on uh, on your shots. But yeah, just this year, I had a little. I, I, I maybe had more fun this year, just having a good time with the people I play with. Um, I I, I was going to get into this email string that I got, but I realized I'm going to send it to you. And then we should have this woman on the show because I realize now that I got this note back. The very first time this woman corresponded with me was back in June. In June, and I, it's 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 going to take us longer than I can explain. Except she was featured in a golf dot com article. She's from the states. She's a senior ish golfer, I think. Anyway, she reached out to me to tell her tell me how much she thought the uh, the show was great, and then oh, I've nice. now gone back through a, a bunch of the emails. I'm looking at it, and um, it's very complimentary. So <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you. I want you to see the whole string. It's very interesting, okay. and then maybe later in September when we're back to doing it every couple of weeks, she'd be a great person to feature on the show. Sure, um, I like it. Discernment, yeah, very interesting, but. Uh, <laughs> So, I got two things to, to tell you, then I can wrap up my part. The first is, I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned to you, uh, my oldest daughter has been training for a marathon. She decided, she's a little bit like me, a little obsessive, you know, she's um, very uh, committed. She gets very committed to things, and about three and a half, four months ago, and she works out all the time, she's very fit, and... Um, but she just announced to the family that she's going to run the Toronto Marathon in October. Oh, and, you know, went to her trainer and got a program and just started running 5Ks, 10Ks. And then, you know, as the weeks go on, I know if you, you said you were a runner. So did you ever train for a marathon or just ran recreationally? I started to work towards a marathon and then uh, I got started to get injured. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, that's what happens. Um, she's 28. So even at 28, you know, it's not easy. You have to go to physio. And again, she works out prior to running, has been working out four or five days a week. She's very, very into this. So the reason I bring it up is now it's a few, it's, it's two months away and she's on track and, and my daughter travels a lot. Uh, she has to go to the States for work quite a bit and through it all will send me pictures of, I was running here today, daddy, and I was running there. And last week she got up to her like, like cause you, you keep increasing your, your kilometers each week. And I think her longest run now is 27 or 28 kilometers. Wow. But just before the show started, I get this text. This is the family chat. I'm going to read it to you because it's, this is a, it's sort of analogous to what we go through in golf. She says, guys, this week has been really hard. Every run has been painful. I haven't been getting enough sleep or recovery time, and the distances have been more, and the runs have increased. She said, I just want you all to know that it's not a straight line to progress. And I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, good for you. She's so funny, my kid. But that's who she is. That, that she, and she says, I'm crying about it, but it's okay. But I love that line. I just want you to know it's not a straight line to progress. And I wrote her back. I'm like, what do you think daddy does for a living? Um, that's not what I said. I said, uh, I tried to say, I said, dang, son, son that sucks. Because I always pretend that she and Spencer are boys because they have boys. Name. 
Um, yeah. So that's what I, I and, and you know, whether she runs the marathon and if, just the fact that she's going to, I know one thing on the day of it, she'll do her best to do it. Right. Like it's not, uh-huh. you know, it's about the, you know, the journey. It's not the destination, but uh, that's all you need to know about my kid that she recognizes that. That it's not all, you know, there were a few, a couple weeks ago, she was all glowing because she ran to my house from her house and back to her house, which was 24K. And she was all excited. But a couple days later now, she's, you know, she's bummed out because it hurts. Yep. And it's painful and it sucks. But there's, there's somebody who's not interested. That's commitment. I, that's exactly what I picked up from that. Like this, you know, again, we look at that word, you know, structure, commitment. When you're training for a marathon, Wow. you're operating within that structure of, of building up and exactly. all of that which if you're serious about your golf I mean you're just not interested in playing golf but committed to being a really good golfer there's a structure there absolutely and, and, and you have to build on it and that's it's really interesting seeing as a coach working with players who are I mean they're Invested, if you will, in getting better. And then they will stick to kind of the program. You work with them and you see them the next week or in a couple of weeks and, and you can see that they've spent the time doing it. Whereas, you know, for so many golfers, and indeed I can be guilty of this, is you, you flit off. Like we're flitting again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to something else. Uh, you know, kind of this, the, the whole squirrel thing. And that is not the road if you will, to come back to, to running and structure to, to really getting mastery in anything. It's about operating on that structure. This is my intention. I committed to this and, and, and here we go. No, total agreement. We had so many great guests this year. Uh, I can't, you know, we, it would be, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention early on in the season, you know, getting Richard Sokol on, having some great, great times, having some great discussions with Dick Sokol and getting to be part of uh, what's going on with them at Mind Track was a big thing for me also. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you, for me, I've told this to a few people, you know, I think we were both a little nervous. I know I was when we had Ledbetter on the first time. And I think so, because I, I, we had him on, because when I was describing this show to these guys out east, I said, normally we don't talk much about swings. That's why it's ironically named Swing Thoughts. But I said, every once in a while, we've had Sean Foley on and Marty Chuck and a few other guys. And I said, when we had Ledbetter on, it was so cool because we have him on and we're talking about golf swings and such in his life. And then a few weeks later, Nick Taylor wins the Canadian Open and Ledbetter sends both of us a, a note of congratulations. And I remember saying to Tim, are we friends with David Ledbetter now? Is this who we are? Are we like Ledbetter buddies? Yeah, we're going to go down to his condo in Florida. <laughs> That's hang right. Out, you know. But I was, I was excited to have him on. That was cool. Uh, well, you could tell we were because it was like, we went to that next level of, of, of golf respect. <laughs> we right. both said, Mr. Ledbetter, Mr. Ledbetter until he right. had to say, can you guys just cut that out? <laughs> no, that was great. And uh, having uh, our buddy Kent Osborne on, uh, yeah. when you guys decided to, uh, that was one of my favorite episodes. We were like, I'm re- I really don't think there is any need for the mental side of golf. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what the fuck are you guys talking about? What sh- should we just do a show about cooking then? <laughs> So that made me laugh a lot. Yeah. So uh, we got to uh, mention on uh, Carl's uh, just just to let you know, and yeah, this stuff impresses me. We got we got to mention on Carl's show. He had when he had Kent on again. 
because he said that he was listening. Carl invited Kent on Brain Booster because he heard him on our show. Aww. And that was, the, that was the point that they went off was, was that we were talking about. It was really about how in that mental side of golf, it can almost be like swing tips you know, or, or faults and fixes. Uh, you find in the, the the swing part of the game, and people start to attach. Well, if I just do this little strategy mm-hmm. uh, in my mental side, I'll you know I'll, I'll stop three putting or leave him putt short or something. And so it was really interesting where their conversation went. But you know, I get impressed when our show gets mentioned on another show. Well, and looking back on that discussion, you know, it's sort of very similar to what Ray says, Doctor Ray, that. To your point that, you know, trying out different mental bits or tips or is just tips, like a, yeah. it's, it's like trying on a different golf swing every time you play. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not a big fan of that. He's not a big fan of of the routine or doing yeah. certain things a certain way. What he basically his his sort of philosophy is all around fixing your psychology, understanding why we do things and and which will produce different results. It's, it's, de- it's definitely made a big impression on me, as you can tell, because, you know, I've I've never journaled around golf like I did this summer. It's, and, and, and specifically, his there's a, a few things he does in his programs where you journal rounds. And what it basically did for me is put it in perspective. It put a lot of things in perspective, which is, you know, like I said, I got a tournament today. It's one I've been playing in for years. And, um, yeah, I'm, I want to do well. Obviously, I want to have a good score, but I'll be okay if I don't. And uh, that's my that's my going into it approach now. I'm I may not hit every fairway, and I I've, and I'll be fine if I don't. I've I've missed fairways and made pars. I've you know I've had triple bogeys on the first hole of a tournament and shot a good score. So the yeah. point the point is, can you rely on yourself? knowing that things are going to go sideways at times. Not if, it's when they're going to go. Yeah. So it comes to me so much of what we talk about often is is, is awareness. What's, what's going on? And, you know, for you, what I'm hearing is that you're, you have the awareness that if you get off to, you know, quote, a bad start, that's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I could, I'm still having a good time. I'm still playing golf, that gratitude piece that Kent talks so eloquently about. But also, there's there's the, every possibility that uh, you you got some birdies coming, or just things will settle down or turn around. It, it, it's the invest. It's the when their ego gets invested, and it's like the story starts going. And one of the things I thought that Raymond did really, really nicely in in his book and our podcast and others is. What's the conversation you're having with yourself? Mm-hmm. What's that? I think he calls it the internal dialogue or whatever it is. And that really is, we spend so much of our lives in our heads and just this, this dot, this nonstop dialogue. I've heard it said that what we got like 60,000 or 80,000 thoughts a day, you know, 79,000 of which we had the day before. No, the same ones it, every day. Yeah, so it's just recognizing that this is just a dialogue, and we don't need and, and and we can just we don't need to be captured by it. We just like okay, I hear you, ego yammering away. Fine, you can just do what you want here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here, you know, on this hole with with 
with the people I'm playing with and, and do my best and, and enjoy myself the best I can. Yeah, one, absolutely. One of the things he talked to me about, and you've heard him say this on other podcasts, is that, especially for tournament players, but any, any round where score matters, that's his phrase, when score matters, yeah. all you can really do is, you know, you can say, okay, I'm going to do my best. It's just a round of golf. Uh, it's just, and there'll be other rounds, and what can I learn from it? That's why the journaling part is. What are a couple of things I can take away? Like, you know, especially if you're like, some tournament things or whatever, and then just put it away because it's just that round of golf. And that's really helped me. Like, you know, after I, a couple of weeks after I started working with him, I finished first in a tournament, lost in a playoff, played really well that day, but uh, didn't start off really hitting it very well, but I, I, I hit it okay. And then pretty soon the round kind of progressed. And, you know, I shot a pretty good score. A 73 in a tournament for me is a very low score. Um, but it just kind of accumulated. And at no t- and there, yeah, there were a few moments where I was going, "Hey, I'm playing pretty good." You know, it's you, you just have those thoughts. But yeah. I just went and and you know, I have enough you know technique to sort of go. That's an interesting thought, Howard. Now, what do yeah. you what are you going to do now? But overall, when I journaled that round, I, I gave it the same attention I gave the 83 I shot at Men's Night, which was basically, what did I learn? You know, mm-hmm. there were a couple moments where maybe I could have slowed down or whatever it was, and then I put it aside. So that for me was, and again, he, he, and and a little bit of you, but, but when I say about uh, enjoying myself and being engaged with the people I'm playing with, like I'm playing with two guys today that I know pretty well. One guy I know very well is my better ball partner. So I know we're going to have a good time. I know there'll be some laughs. These guys are, you know, they can both shoot even par and they can both shoot 82. So it will be a good experience because I'm going to make sure it's a good experience for me regardless of what number I have to post. So that's what I, mean. I would take questions. Um, let's, I want to move on to something quickly before we shut down the show. A very good friend of both Tim and I uh, died years ago, way too early. And his name was Ben Kern. Uh, we can go on for, we could go on for an hours about why we loved Ben and our relationship. But uh, he was the head pro at the national when I was there for, uh, he was there for years before I got there. And then I was there for about four or five years, and then we became. We I still I stayed friends with him. We went over to the pulpit. Anyway, he died. Yeah. What was he? Two thousand and two. But like, what would he have been? Fifty something. Yeah, yeah. I would say mid to late fifties. Yeah, and and for context, Ben Kern played the PGA Tour in the seventies. He was one like he would have been. And by the way, in, in the seventies, before Gary McCord came along. The PGA Tour only had 60 spots where guys were exempt for the next year. And he kept his card for a couple of years. That's how good that guy was. Now, when I met him, he was, he was way past that, except for his short game. And I'm only oh laughing God. because on Monday, I hosted the Ben Kern Invitational at the National. And, you know, I was doing the MC and I did the live auction and kibitzing around. And, and uh, I was we were all telling Ben stories. And I said one of my favorite things was I would play with Ben. He was, you know, when Ben Kern, you're a little intimidated because the guy played on the PGA Tour. But, you know, quickly. And he's real, just Ben Kern. Yeah. And he's just Ben Kern. And 
quickly realized he can't get a ball airborne. Like, it's just yeah. unbelievable how horribly he hit a golf ball. But I've never met anybody with a better attitude about it. I was sitting around with a guy, uh, you probably know the band Triumph, but he was a member of the National. Gil Moore and I were laughing. Oh, Gil Moore, yeah. Gil. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know, we should get Gil on this show because there's a no bigger golf nerd than Gil. Um, so Gil and I were playing with Ben, and Ben would hit these duck hooks like smother hook drives like just a foot or two off the ground and he would look back and goes guys you have no idea how close that was and i would say pro it's not even on the fucking golf course anymore what is it close to and then we would laugh but i played in a tournament with him at the national a couple years in a row where you play 72 holes in a day to raise some money for a charity and i told the story about how ben would snipe hook at the first 18 holes same around the middle of the second 18 holes, you'd get a couple drives airborne. By the third round, you got to see Ben hit a golf ball like a tour player. He started hitting these little butter cuts because he you know, came out of the shop. And by the fourth round, I got to see him in full flight, and it was really something. And as I say, I've never played golf to this day with a guy that could putt or chip better than him. Like oh, just something gosh. else. Talk about a buttery putting. Jesus, stroke. like very Ben Crenshaw like, right? That kind yes. of that kind of laggy thing yep. that happens. So that was a great experience. Um, and I got to tell you, very quickly, I got up on stage in front of everybody, 150 dudes, and uh, now I got to start like a 15 minute block where I'm going to auction off to, to rich people. There was literally. There were two billionaires at my table. It was pretty, it was crazy. There were some pretty rich guys there. And there were four tour players in the, in the room. But there was a lot of Canadian tour players, but four guys you know. Uh, Lanto Griffin, who turned out to be a great guy. Steve Elkington. Oh, Elk. Elk. Glenn Day, who I sat next to. Let me just pause for a second. So I'm talking to Glenn Day at dinner. And I said, hey, listen, did it bug you? Yes. When you had your nickname, Glenn Alday, because his nickname for you people don't know, because he was the slowest player on tour. And he told me the story about how somebody said that, Nats overheard it, and that's how the name stuck. But here's, talk about a, a great lesson in acceptance. He said in his Southern drawl, he said, well, I could have, you know, could have let it bug me. He said, but I chose to embrace it. And I said, really? He said, yeah, if you, if you were at my house today, you'd see my license plate in my truck says all day one. And my wife says all day two. <laughs> so I thought, that, you know, good for you, Glenn Day. Yeah. Very completely. nice man. And yeah. the fourth tour player was Rocco Media. Oh, my goodness. So I get up on stage and Rocco and I are going to do the live auction. The last item is an experience to go to the Masters and blah, blah, blah. It's worth 25 grand. Yeah, it was a lot of dough. So just as I get this part going, and, and again, it's in, it's in the room there at the National, so everyone can see me. It's not dark. And there's a guy right next to me in his early 70s, and all of a sudden his phone goes off. And for a stand-up comic, it's like a, it's like a downwind par, short par five. Because I go, oh, no, don't worry. Just go ahead. You Take your call. And everybody's sort of been a little embarrassed. So he does. He takes his fucking call. And I go, hang on a second. Who are you talking to? He goes, it's my wife, uh, Marge. I go, can I talk to her? He goes, sure. So I take his phone, put it on speaker, and for the next three minutes, I get Marge to help me with the live auction. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I said, just to start with Marge, I go, this is Harris. He goes, hello, dear. I go, do you know your husband? He's hammered. He's just, I mean, I don't know what's wrong. He better not drive home. And it was just a, 
on and on. It was. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been a bigger gift for me because it killed, and it also got the room's attention. Because you, you yeah, know, it's, there you go. it's something that I've seen comics do before, but it's not something you see at a lot of these golf tournaments. In fact, oh, good all, for you. And so all those guys, Lanto came up to me after, and because he came up and we did a couple items together. So Rocco comes up, and I thought I'd take that opportunity, just a couple minutes, to ask him a couple questions. And I told him I, I didn't, you know, sabotage him, whatever. Um, that's not the word I'm looking for, but I told him in advance, hey, I'm going to ask you some stuff. Is that okay? He goes, absolutely. So I introduce him. I go, Rocco Media. I give him his, his stats, this many tour wins, this many champions tours. And I said, and the guy that made Tiger Woods take 91 holes to beat him in the 2000 U- U.S. Open, 2008 U.S. Open. He comes on stage. And so I say to him, uh, you know, everyone's curious about, uh, you know, that experience in, in 2008. He talked a little bit about it. I said, so, you know, what was it like? And he said, it was great and blah, blah, blah. And I said, and he talked about, you know, he said, my only regret was when it was over. I didn't want it to be over. I was having such a great time. And yeah. I said to him, I said, just finally, Rocco, before we give, start doing this auction item, I said, it was, was Tiger Woods as good as all of us thought he was? And he quickly goes, yes, yes, better. <laughs> just the way he did it. He was better. Yes, better. Um, and everyone laughed. But it was very, very sweet, you know, that he, and he was, he couldn't have been a nicer guy. All of them were great, but uh, Rocco especially was very, very at ease and just a good dude. And and we got an item. I think it was supposed to go for twenty five grand. I don't know. In the end, it might have gone for fifty. Who knows? They raised six hundred and seventy five thousand dollars that day for Princess right, that, Margaret. That was huge. Yeah, Princess yeah. Margaret and Sunnybrook, which are cancer hospitals here in Toronto. That's great stuff. Yeah, yeah it was really well, cool. So cool that so cool that they kept. The, the the Nash kept their Ben Kern pro-am going because when Ben died, a, a bunch of us who were friends, like Tom Jackson, right. Ron Bala, uh, we started up the, a Ben Kern legacy pro-am at the pulpit. Mm-hmm. We did that's where he was years. for a while, yeah. Yeah, and um, but it, like a lot of charity events, it... it it kind of exhausted itself sure. and ran out of momentum. So really great that the Nash kept kept there going. But as you were speaking, I was trying to think, like, I spent a ton of time uh, with Ben. He and I, uh, well, it was his, basically his brains. I was kind of his uh, ghostwriter for the first Future Links guidebooks. Mm-hmm. And it was for pros or anyone who wanted to teach juniors kind of a manual on how to do that. And I just remember being just so, so impressed with how thorough and thoughtful Ben was. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I don't have any, can't, uh, no really sort of funny Ben Kern stories come to mind. But I just remember a couple of times sitting in his office at the pulpit and just going like, what a privilege to mm-hmm. sit here with this man and just absorb this and just be with him and just observe what he was like. He was such, he was the consummate pro. He was just a he's he kind of had this gentleness to him but a firmness too about what was good you know accept this this not so much um but the wisdom he had I remember one time and I actually was interesting enough we were talking yesterday and I remember one of the really cool things I learned from him was never explain a shot mm-hmm. so let's say you got a tough tough chip the ball's sitting down and the grass growing and you muff it and you say, oh, you know, so you muff it. You go, oh, my God, the grass. And it's, right, right, and it's, yeah. You just don't do that. You yeah. just let it go. Because in essence, what you're saying to your partners is, you know, I'm better than that. Absolutely. I'm better than that. 
you know it's so it's so so he had a lot of awareness too about the the role of the ego mind and all that nonsense but uh so cool that you're able to do that and uh did you Give Elk or Rocco, uh, hey, uh, I do this little podcast. You think you might want to come on? You know, it's I I, I, I know somebody that, here's the thing. <clears throat> I know the guy, Elk does a podcast with a guy from uh, St. Catharines that I sort of know casually named Mike Maves. And I said to Elkington after we were leaving, he said, you know, you're funny, blah, blah, blah. Um, there is some, here's what I've known over my lifetime. There's something about being the guy on stage, especially if you're funny on stage, that other guys in the room like it instantly gives you some kind of there's a credibility that comes with it so Elkington came up to me same with Lanto came up to me after went that was really funny that Lanto said man we have a guy at my tournament he's nowhere near as funny as you and I'm like well fly me the fuck down Lanto I'll do it anyway uh, but I said to Elkington I said I know Mike Maves he goes oh really I said yeah I, I said years ago when Mike was starting that podcast that you guys do you wouldn't remember this, but Mike brought me in and the three of us had a conversation about how to produce them. And, and he's, he, he said politely, oh, like, I don't remember, but I mean, I know. I said, why would you? But I, so I think there's a way in that way. And as far as the other guys, I didn't want to stop them. I will say this. It's funny because so I'm standing there in the, the round part there at the National. I say this because the round part has all the names of the club champions over the years at that golf course. And I'm literally standing right underneath my own. So Keir Smith, who's now the director there, introduces me. And, uh, and he says, and uh, blah, 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 Howard Glass, and a former club champion, Howard Glassman. <laughs> First thing I say is, thank you, Keir. I say, you didn't, need to say, you didn't need to mention that I was the club champion to the national, like, as though I'm like too humble for that. I said, I was, first of all, I was going to start with that. <laughs> I, said, I said, how do you know you're, I, said, my, I, I augmented this joke from another joke I do, but I said, how do you know you've got the, uh, a, cha- uh, a former club champion in the national at your party? I said, oh, don't worry, he'll tell you. So... I tell the story about Ben Kern, and then in my story, I said, uh, you know, I started here in 1990, and I was struggling. Ben helped me a lot, and then when I won the club championship in 1907, I said, by the way, did I mention that I'm on the... So, this is a true story. Ben was the first person, and this was back in the old-fashioned days, uh, the f- not the first person, actually wrote me a letter. I opened my mail one day, a week or two after the... Uh, I didn't even know he knew. He was long gone by then. He was at the pulpit, and I get this beautiful card and a handwritten note. Uh, from Ben Kern saying something in the effect of, I always knew you could do it or blah, blah, blah. But I was like, God damn it. Who does that? And I, and I think somewhere in this house I still have it because I didn't want to throw it out. That but that's the kind of guy, guy he was. Yeah. was. Absolutely. Hey, I, I, I'll be really quick with this one. I just I did remember uh, Ben Kern's story. Um, so Ben Kern, when he was at the Nash, was giving lessons to Mickey Rooney. Mickey oh, that's Rooney right. Was do- Mickey Rooney was doing some kind of dinner theater thing in Mississauga or something. He was a, a really quite a golfaholic and, a, and not a very good golfer. So Ben said that he was a great actor because bad swing, but man, he could fake a finish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just that perfectly poised, you know, in balance, yeah. the club behind you. So he's given uh, Mickey Rooney a lesson. And suddenly they start hearing something and it's like what were they hearing but they both kind of like it's like what is this going on they don't like it and Ben looks over and there's Mo Norman right walking walking towards them and he's saying something and 
and Ben is going, what is going on here? Mickey Rooney's looking really annoyed. And then Ben finally keys into what Moe's saying. Moe's saying, artificial swings for artificial folks. <laughs> and saying this over and over again. And Ben goes, oh, my God. So he quickly just dashes over to Moe. He says, Mo, not now, it. right, right now. <laughs> you have to respect Mr. Rooney. He's like, you know, he's having a lesson here. Cut it out. And if you don't just leave. That's funny. Says, so Mo just turned around on his heels, marched back towards his car. And at the top of his voice, artificial swings for artificial. Folks. That's funny. So, anyways, so I interviewed Ben for the feeling of greatness biography that I wrote of Mo in, in when it came out in 95. And so Ben told me that story about a year after the book came out. Well, that's and I said, too. Ben, that's one of the best stories I've heard of Mo. Why didn't you tell him? He, sa- he says, because I thought you might put it in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now I did and put it in this. I did. Put oh, you did. The, I was going to say, you must have put it in the uh, second edition or the updated edition. I did, yeah. yeah. Well, that's it, kids. Uh, that's the uh, twenty hundred and twenty-three uh, swing thoughts season. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, many of the guests that we mentioned today and others that we didn't. Uh, thanks to uh, everyone at TaylorMade, TaylorMadeGolf.ca, uh, Matt and Dave at uh, WhoIsOscarBravo dot com, and Dave uh, Moskowitz at uh, StretchLab dot com. Uh, Susie Myers in a couple weeks, and you know what? Maybe I'll. Uh, I'm going to reach out to this woman. Uh, first of all, I'll send you the email string. You'll, I think you'll find it interesting. And see if we can't get her on the show as well. Yeah. No, that, that would be great. That's great. And actually, you're, uh, Mike, you're, you're, you stopped. You stop I'd working. love to have Kendall McWade back on. Yeah, it's, you're just, you're, for some reason, it's been cutting out the last couple of seconds. Like, it's a loose. Really? Uh, weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah, man. Well, we, we, listen, we're still like, and for you guys that are new, as I said at the start of the show, like, we're going to do shows uh, every, you know, sometimes there have been times we'll do them every week, but if we have somebody, but yeah. uh, generally for the next uh, number of months until the Masters, we will be on every couple of weeks. And uh, I can say on behalf of myself, Golf Spiritual Leader. Oh, and thanks to the guys that gave me the Jones bag, Dave Stewart. I love it. Man. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite things this summer. Uh, on behalf of Golf Spiritual Leader, we hope you've enjoyed uh, some of the nonsense that we have uh, perpetrated upon you and that has made a difference in your golf game and in your lives. Tim? Um, ditto on that, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Tim, you um, can uh, follow him, uh, Tim O'Connor, at yeah. O'ConnorGolf.ca, and uh, the substack is known, a substack is known as... Uh, com. Yeah, I have a. We'll be in touch, folks. You, we don't disappear, and it's been a great season, indeed. And, uh, and thank yeah, you. We've had a lot of fun doing it. And thank you, Tim O'Connor. Thank you. You've been. Uh, you're a big part of my life, and uh, as much as I like to make nonsense with you, you know, I think uh, the world of you, and I hope you get some sleep today. Thank you. Love you too, pal. Okay, buddy. Step inside, but you don't see too many faces.